This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Wild Precious Life is brought to you in part by Lit Youngstown, a literary community proud to support beginning and experienced writers who seek to hone their craft, foster understanding, and share and publish their creative work. I'm Anne-Marie Kelly. Welcome to Wild Precious Life, a podcast about dreaming big and making real connections. In each episode, I talk to prize-winning writers, musicians, and entrepreneurs who teach all of us how to make the most of the time we have. Our guest today is Emily Ford, gardener, Duluth woman, granite gear groundskeeper, thru-hiker, and goat enthusiast. Emily is someone who signs off her Instagram videos with woohoo, and I love it because she means it. And I would go woohoo back every time I watched. Emily, along with her trusty companion Diggins, recently became the first woman to thru-hike the 1,200-mile Wisconsin Ice Age Trail in the winter. She spent more than two months hiking over hills and streams and snow. So much snow. And I watched it. Like, every single day, I watched it fascinated from the lazy, lazy comfort of my couch. (laughs) So, Emily Ford, welcome to Wild Precious Life. That's awesome. Thank you so much. (laughs) I now sit on my lazy, lazy couch all the time, and I eat lots of lazy, lazy foods. You should see how much ice cream I've consumed since I've been home. Yeah, that sounds good right now. It's probably frowned upon for podcasting and ice cream, but... Next time, we're just going to bring cones, and we'll just we'll do that. <laughs> I felt like there were so many themes alive in this hike that I was not taking, but you were kind enough to take me on. I, I mean, I was thinking about simplicity and steadfastness and beauty and this defense of solitude and slowing down and the kindness of strangers and that rugged, camping, can-do spirit. First, I just kind of want to know— What brings you here today and what makes you, you? So I feel like I'm in such a cool point of my life and how I got here is just by saying yes, ironically enough. When I was in college, well, I went to, I went to the college. I went, I went to Gustavus because I was, I threw for track and field. I threw, um, shot hammer and disc in college for a little bit. Then I switched over to rugby because that was way more fun to tackle people than to like (laughs) throw metal objects across the field. And then I moved up to Duluth here by saying yes to my roommate that I was with in college. And she's like, you want to move to Duluth for fun? And I was like, cool, I don't have any plans. And the way I got my job that I have now as the head gardener was another weird yes. A buddy of mine, she's like, hey, there's a gardening position open. And I was like, I don't know if I could do it professionally. Like, I grew up gardening, but I have a geology degree. And I applied and they hired me. And the same for this, you know, like the trip I just got back from is... My buddy was like, hey, here's a trail. And I was like, okay, <laughs> let's do it. And then that's kind of the way I found Diggins too, is a buddy of mine was like, hey, you should see if anybody has 
a dog you can borrow. And I was like, okay. And I was like, click, click, click on, on Facebook. And I was like, hey, anybody have a dog? <laughs> and then someone was like, yes. I think I've gotten to where I am just by saying yes to like very weird things that sound fun. And I, I would say as a caveat for folks, you know, it's not as a romantic <laughs> life as maybe one would think because it does get you into trouble when you over overextend to yourself, <laughs> I'd say. Did you grow up in a yes hiking family? Like, do you think that's your childhood was a childhood of yes or a childhood of hiking and, and long walks? I grew up in a household of my mom always encouraging the yes. And that was really, I think that's really what has played a significant role is that I would have these weird ideas, right? So when I was, when I was you know, a preteen or whatever, I asked my mom if I could walk the railroad tracks on like a Saturday morning as far as I could. And she said, yeah, go for it. And that is like just that mentality of my mom just always like telling me to reach as far as I could into like the weird unknown and into like weird dreams. And just as long as you're, her stipulation was always, if you're not hurting yourself and if you're not hurting someone else, yes is okay. And that's kind of how, that's how she decided to raise both my sister and myself. And my sister is a super cool cop and I feel like I'm a super cool gardener. So I think my mom did a pretty darn good job. <laughs> but I didn't grow up in a, in a hiking family. My family did more of the um, motorized sports, if anything. If you didn't get it from your parents, how did you get into hiking? My first memory of doing anything outdoors, like what I'm doing now, is when I was pretty young. And my grandparents had a farm. And I had one friend up there because that town was mostly old folks. And her parents took me to the Boundary Waters for the first time. We spent three nights up there, I think. And I thought it was so cool. I had never been in a tent before like that. And like her family, I think like really changed just my perspective on like, and then when I was in college on our spring break trips for geology, the school didn't want to pay for like lodging for us. So we would camp out and it's kind of where I learned a little bit more from that. And then when I moved to Duluth, it's Duluth, you know, I kind of made that choice that I wanted to try it, but I was a field biologist for the University of Minnesota Duluth for just a smidgen of a time. And uh, it was my dog and myself, and we kind of um, made our way down the eastern half of the United States picking prairie seeds, prairie grass and prairie flower seeds. And so, again, the university didn't want to pay for our lodging, so we had a camp. A lot of troubleshooting on, that, on those trips, lots and lots. But it was like the coolest time of my life. And then after that, I just, uh, with that same backpack, I just threw a bunch of stuff in it, and I knew the Superior Hiking Trail was around here somewhere. And I just, I think I took like a three-day trip. And my pack was so heavy, you know, like, you know, on this podcast, like you're saying, like, yes, you can do anything and you, whatever you set your mind to, but don't be discouraged by your first time. Because my pack on that trip was probably about as heavy as my pack was on the trip I just got back from. I had too much stuff. I had the wrong stuff, but I fell in love with it anyway. And I just kind of kept adding on miles and that's kind of how I got to where I am right now. I'm really stuck on this and I'm, I'm loving it because I'm a, I'm a mother of three. And this idea that if you're not hurting yourself... And if you're not hurting anybody else, then yes, go ahead. I think back on my own rebellious teenage years, and I have a teenage daughter now, but so many of the arguments you get in with the grownups in your life is because they're saying no to your yes. And some of your yes is, is crazy yes. It's like, can I go out with that 19-year-old who you've never met, who rides a motorcycle? And that's probably an okay one eh, to say no to. But there's lots of lots of yeses that parents we default to no. And so I love that I love that you're saying that. 
I should mention that we're not alone in this conversation. We actually, this is a double interview. So folks at listening at home aren't just listening to Emily Ford. They're also listening to Diggins. Was Diggins the first dog to hike the Ice Age Trail in winter? She was, yeah. Diggins. Oh, so she's here. So if you hear Diggins, you know, want to add her two cents. She doesn't, she doesn't say too much. She does. She's giving me a lot of looks right now of like, lady, get off this leash so I can run around your house and eat everything. Diggins had some of my favorite moments in your Instagram videos, though, because she'd be singing happy birthday to Diggins. And Diggins can't be bought, like, can't even, like, what? Just what? There, there were, it wasn't like Diggins turned around and smiled. It's like Diggins didn't, like, what are you doing now? She's this- really good at side eye. You know, yes. like, just like the... Like, she became my teenage daughter. Like, I was that uncool mom embarrassing her in front of all the woodland creatures. You know, <laughs> don't tell them that I'm three years old only. <laughs> you know, like, I want the bull- boy wolves to like me. <laughs> like, kind of like that. I'm going to embarrass you as much as I want to. As much as she side-eyed you, do you feel like she was a necessary travel companion? Were you, like, like we're halfway through, were you like, oh, diggins? Or were you like, oh, yeah, this is this is an important part of my journey to have Diggins with me. Oh, no, she was, the only time I was ever like, are we going to make it was in the beginning because she, so she comes from a sled kennel, which means that she, she doesn't go on walks. She doesn't go, she doesn't walk on a sidewalk. She didn't know to walk around a drain grate. So her foot got stuck in a drain grate. She just walked right on top of it. And I looked at her, I'm like, dude, I was like, are we really going to make it? Because we had to walk through a bunch of towns. And she was really skittish of cars in the beginning. I was like, I'm not carrying you and this pack 1,200 miles because you are afraid to walk on the sidewalk. And so it was just in the beginning. But no, I am so glad that it was perfect having her along. Until I met you on Instagram, I had never heard of this trail before. Like I know about the Appalachian Trail and the Pacific Crest. I don't know, this this long winding trail through Wisconsin has my attention now. And it sounds there should be like mastodons and mammoths and saber-toothed tigers. And, and I'm just wondering for folks who've never heard of the Ice Age Trail, can you tell them about this trail and why you said yes to it? Me choosing the Ice Age Trail, like I said, is really just another yes story. I was out playing Bar League Volleyball. And I was talking to a buddy and I was like, man, I like really itching to get back on the trail. And like, I would love to be able to do like a thousand miles. I think I could do that in the winter while I'm laid off from work. She's like, well, how about the Glacier Trail? And I was like, I don't know what that is. It turned out to be the Ice Age Trail. And I like looked it up while we were sitting there and I was like, oh, this sounds pretty cool. And so that was really the impetus of it, I guess. Tell us about the Ice Age Trail. Like, what is this place and what, what? Were there saber-toothed tigers or? <laughs> right. So the, the name is for mostly geology nerds, I suppose, and anybody interested in like glaciers. So it follows the terminal moraine of the last glaciation through Wisconsin. And all that means is that it follows the bottom of the last glacier that was in Wisconsin. So it's kind of where it meets the, what we call the driftless area where there weren't any glaciers, well, for the time period that we're talking about. It's a funny trail because when I was telling people about hiking this trail, I was like, oh, I'm hiking across Wisconsin. They're like, cool, it's not like 500 miles. I'm like, it's the (laughs) longest way to get across Wisconsin, okay? Don't tell me that it's easy, (laughs) you know? (laughs) In its entirety, including all the road walks, including all of the trails, it's just a hair under 1,200 miles. And you go through a bunch of different counties, and it's really neat. You see a lot of different terrain. You will see a bunch of flat areas because 
they do a lot of, they do have a really cool program called Rails to Trails over there. So it's like old railroad beds. Cause a lot of these little towns were like really, they had like this like boom and bust thing, right? So they, a lot of things would get shipped to them and then, you know, the town kind of disappeared with that type of industry. So there's a lot of that. And then you'll get to these like crazy rolling hills and these like really steep hills for ages and ages. And all they are, are different geological features, which is really cool. And you wouldn't really know that, I guess, because you're just walking on hills, unless you are paying attention to the geology. So it's really fun in that sense. And there are some spaces that you may not see very many people hiking on it. So if you're kind of looking for an isolated trail, there's a couple of good spots further kind of in the northern region where you won't see as many people hiking on it. So like I said, it is roadwalks and it is, it's an incomplete trail so far. And it'll be a while before they complete it, I believe. You mentioned uh, you wouldn't see someone for, uh, you know, a, a day or two or longer. And I think until this past year, I'm not sure most of us have ever gone days at a time without seeing other human people. You know, like up until this last year, I don't think I'd experienced the same kind of loneliness that a lot of us have experienced. I'm wondering, when was your aloneness on the trail lonely? When, if ever, was it lonely? And when was your loneliness something else? This trip kind of became a weird sensation outside of what I was experiencing because I had my phone on airplane mode most of the time, which I adore. I love that mode. (laughs) Praise be to the person who ever made it, honestly. (laughs) But I would see people, right? Because people would be looking for me to, to see this crazy woman hiking this trail. And so I would see people pretty often. The type of loneliness I experienced, though, was the only thing that was consistent for myself and for Diggins was each other. It became like this emotional roller coaster, a little bit of like not wanting to connect to people because you knew you'd never see him again, but like really craving that connection, right? Because you're alone and you're like, I haven't talked to somebody about anything deeper than how cold it is outside for a month now. And I just want to have a good conversation. And so that's the kind of the loneliness. And I've experienced that before on other trips. It's not as isolatory as people would think, but it's a different feeling of alone. But I got to work through a bunch of just internal junk that I felt like I really needed to work on. Just like personal qualms I had with my past self and just like things like forgiveness to other people, forgiveness towards myself. And like, honestly, I would just talk to Diggins about it all day long and just be like, this is what I experienced and just like, you know, whatever. And it was just really good to have the silence all around me and have no one around me to really voice how I actually felt about things I hadn't really wanted myself to feel. Oh, that's amazing. So I, I always wondered what was happening in the 23 hours and 57 minutes in between videos. And I, part of me wanted to, to see like a bad day on the trail because you are like this incurably optimistic. It's, it's infectious, really. Like, again, I'm, it was, I was oddly it was enthusiastic. Looking back on it, I was oddly <laughs> enthusiastic. I don't. I felt like I was high the whole time. I think I don't know what was going on. <laughs> Looking back on it, I'm like, I was, I was really. But well, here's the thing, though: is I was very, I was very happy. Like, I can reanimate how our bad times were because any time it was just like I was so tired, mostly, and it was it was rarely a Diggins thing. Our one argument that we had was. It was after my knee felt so painful and she was pulling me into the ditch and I slipped on a piece of ice and I just like, I threw a fit like a child in the middle of a country road. I pounded my hiking, trekking poles on the 
on the asphalt and I said, I just need a break. <laughs> and I just like, I was like, we're taking a zero day tomorrow. Diggins. And I just I threw my pack on the ground. I just sat there and she put her head on my knee. Like, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't mean to. And I was like, it's okay. We just need a break. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of what it looked like, but it didn't happen very often. So when you mentioned your knee, I, I did find myself wondering you know, again, this is over two months, and I'm not sure people really get what 1,200 miles is. There's that incessant song where the guys like I would walk 500 miles. Like, he's not even attempting to walk 1,200 miles. So I was I was just trying to map it out in my—so I'm in Cleveland right now. So it'd be like if I wanted to walk to Disney World tomorrow— like that, like that, that is how, like, and, and, and Disney World is not even, like, that's probably more a thousand miles. Like, it is so far that you guys walked. And I did find myself wondering, did you hurt yourself? You described falling down a flight of stairs at one point, and then you were walking when you, you weren't walking with a limp. You weren't, you know, there was no zombie dragging a foot behind you. So I'm wondering what aches and pains did you have and how did you persist? The first one was my knee, and that one made me feel really sad because I was stupid and I didn't stretch enough. Um, so I took a day off, and I, I was encouraged by another friend of mine who's an ultra athlete, and she's experienced pain like this before, and I asked her, what do I do? And she said, she said get back on the horse tomorrow. She's like, you have, to just keep, you have to keep going. Every time I look at the video of me talking about me, fall, I, was, I, I must have had a bad concussion because I was giggling I could not stop laughing that I giggled myself to sleep that night. I'm pretty sure I had a pretty bad concussion. I just didn't, I hiked on adrenaline that day pretty much. I will never forget that moment in my life. It is still so funny to me. I just, I literally just walked into darkness, assuming that there was going to be something to catch me. And I just fell down this stranger's flight of stairs into his basement. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Know. Uh, that actually brings up something. So you talk about trail magic. And for listeners who aren't hikers, tell us what trail magic is and what you mean by that phrase. Yeah, trail magic is super rad. And it can, it can manifest in different ways. So basic trail magic is people leave you something at the trailhead. You see this a lot on the bigger ATPCT and all the other acronyms for long trails. This trip, though, they would leave like bars, um, socks sometimes, treats for diggins, just notes that were really encouraging. A lot of people, oddly enough, like told me about their lives, their life in letter form. And they would leave them for me at the trailhead with like another snack or something. And that was really impactful for me. And that was actually maybe even more magic to me than the food sometimes. And then trail magic can also look like there was several people who shuttled me from their house to a spot on the trail for several days hours of their day and fuel for their vehicles being used up. And they're like, yeah, come in our house. Like, we'll feed you. We'll whatever. Here's a sauna. Here's my house. Like, do whatever you want. Oh, Diggins is kind of a jerk. She's trying to bite everybody. Ah, that's totally fine. We'll let her stay in the house anyway. I was like, this is, this is amazing. It also kind of manifests on this trail where people with really deep snow, because I ditched my snowshoes actually in the beginning. They went ahead of me and they tramped down the snow in as many places as they could with snowshoes. And that was awesome. That is amazing. Are you the kind of person who usually looks at strangers with openness and welcomes the strangers? Because I feel like a lot of us are taught to like distrust strangers. Like, oh, I don't know. Like stranger danger. Like, I don't know. You're, you're, you're raised with this idea. <laughs> I have no stranger danger, apparently. <laughs> I kind of came to the point where, well, I came to two points. Number one, anybody, because a lot of people ask me if I had any issues with 
feeling afraid of like racism or like any injustices like that on the trail. And I kind of came to the conclusion of like, anybody who's really against me hiking this in that way, I don't feel like hiking is really their shtick. I feel like they have different hobbies and they're not really out here looking for me. And they're not really following my story. If they hear, if they hear about me coming through their town, it's usually after because the newspaper usually promised to wait until I was out of their county before they would run anything. And secondly, if anybody on this trip came within like, I don't know, a few feet of me, Diggins would bite them 100% (laughs) every time. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Were you conscious of being the first woman or the first person of color or the first, like, was that on your list? Like, oh, yes, I will do this because then I could be the first. Did you know that going in? I didn't care. I just knew that that Mike had done it before me. And I was like, oh, if Mike can do it. I didn't, I didn't know Mike. I, I didn't call him <laughs> just Mike back then. I was like, oh, this dude did it. And I was like, so I bet I could do it too. I didn't realize all this was, look, I've been trying to explain to people, like, I'm always late to the, like, the social party of like understanding of what's going around me. People are like, this is so cool. And I'm like, yeah, I'm aggressively walking. <laughs> like, and they're like, no, you're the first. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so I had, no, I had no idea. Well, I felt like the message that was cutting across this story and why I kept coming back to it is that, yes, we do live in a divided country right now, right? Almost any way you slice it, you've got political parties, you've got religions and, and cities and countries and race and gender and who you love and where— and and. And that is that is all real, and that is all a lot. And yet, when I was walking with you on my couch while you were walking, I kept coming back to this idea that nobody owns the air. Nobody owns the sky. Yes, some of these trails were owned, but nobody owns these trees. It belongs to all of us. And there was just something so gorgeous, especially— now about watching somebody, I, I thought what you were doing was just unifying because this is here for everyone. You also said something in a magazine or an interview once that said, you don't have to be a certain way to do a thing. The idea that, that anybody who wants to can go and walk tomorrow with or without Diggins, it's there for you. And I think there's a, a welcoming spirit that I thought that was really, really great. I, I should also confess something. I have wilderness skills now, but I actually took my first job out of college. I had an English degree, which I don't know if you have, uh, it was one of those useless degrees where you can't get a job out of college. So, you know, I wanted to teach, but I didn't know if I could. I wanted to write, but I didn't know if anyone would read what I, what I wanted to say. And so I answered an ad. People were hiring wilderness counselors. They, they wanted me to hike and canoe and camp for a living. And so in the interview, they ask you things like, how do you feel about hiking and canoeing and camping? Well, I had slept in a tent 
zero times. I had I had been in a camper trailer two times and never slept in it. And so, of course, I, I answered, I love those things. Those things are wonderful. And I was speaking in the abstract, right? Yes. I, I, I was picturing s'mores. I was picturing, you know, but the, the idea of camping was fine with me. But I had none of those skills. And, and it turns out it didn't matter because they were willing to teach you those things. And, and I hiked and camped for a living. Once I got through the uselessness of not being able to start a fire in the rain and the fact that I, I mean, you, you get to this place of, of, of true self-sufficiency, right? That you can do anything. So I'm wondering, did you feel triumphant beforehand and you're just a triumphant person who does triumphant things? Like, how do you feel about having done this thing? I don't know, man. <laughs> it feels pretty cool, I guess. I think it's kind of finally setting in now because again, right? Like, I just like backpacking. I've, I've said it so many times to people. I'm like, I just like doing this, you know? Just like if somebody likes to knit and they make a really cool sweater, they still like knitting, I guess. It's kind of, I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. I think I'm, I'm responding this way because I feel like there's so many internal things I haven't processed yet that I don't know about. And so I'm answering kind of skeptically, I guess. I'm like, it's cool, man. <laughs> That's fine. That's so interesting to hear you say that because I think when you're on the trail, what I saw again and again was this like, empowerment. This like, I can do anything. That thing broke. Oh, we'll just get another one or go without it. Oh, we are hungry. We will eat at the guest. Like I, there is this, this can-do spirit that permeates more than two months of videos where I come away from that thinking, we can do so much more than we think. And I was just wondering what it feels like to be on the other side of that. If there's grief if you feel like you've lost this thing or like, I was just wondering what it feels like to have gone through it and what, what you're left with afterwards. The person you saw on the trail is the same person who lives in the real world. That's kind of how I am all the time. I just feel like I can do anything. And again, I think that comes from like my mom and my sister just encouraging me and being like, sure, that sounds weird, but whatever. My mom encouraged me to try to dig the deepest hole in the yard. We had this like the sandbox. I'm like, mom, I'm going to dig this deep, gigantic hole and I'm going to see if I can find anything in it. And I was so determined. She's like, you do that. Yeah. You dig the deepest hole you possibly can. I'll call you when dinner's ready. And I just like went at it. And she was just, I was like, mom, look at this deep hole I dug. And she's like, I have a big hole in my yard now. That's (laughs) okay. (laughs) You know? And so, and my grandparents, you know, all these people that influenced me growing up, they were just like, sure, that's kind of weird, but you're not hurting anybody. So And so when I'm on the trail, you know, and and things just, you have two options, right? When you're on the trail. And actually you kind of have these two options outside of the trail too, but we're distracted by a lot of things out here. You can kind of piss and moan about it or you can do something about it. And sometimes that doing something about it means taking a step back and like assessing the situation. It doesn't always mean like, bam, bam, bam. Like we got to do it right now. But those are kind of always the two options. And when you're alone on the trail, There's nobody else to do anything for you. Dickens was not about to look. She was worthless when it came to anything (laughs) except for pulling and pulling, (laughs) honestly. Like her companionship was awesome, but like she wasn't about to set up the tent. She wasn't going to get me a new trekking pole. She wasn't going to go into Walgreens and grab me the fourth knee brace that I possibly could buy. You know, like it was just like, I have to make it through. For some reason, I feel like I have no choice and I'm really excited about that. And we just got to do this. And it was fun, you know? There was there was so many points of like excitement and joy in there. So I'm like, I just want more of that. It sounds pretty rad. So, but yes, this is how I am in real life all the time. 
When you say there were moments of excitement and joy, do you have a vista that has stuck with you or a moment? Oh, yeah. Some of them have to do with some of the people I met, honestly. And like just their kindness was like, oh, man, if trail magic just existed off the trail and like people were nice to other people the way they were nice to me as a stranger, our world would be exhaustingly different. Like it would be so different. You would get like overwhelmed by looking at it, you know? So just like staying in some people's houses and like just hearing the wind, like howl outside and like knowing that the next morning I was going to wake up to negative 35 degrees, but I was indoors. Like that to me, like those moments are so nailed in my, my mind and just saying goodbye, like these tearful goodbyes to some of these strangers that let me stay in their house for several days, you know, and shuttle me back and forth. So there's moments like that. And then there's like, these like wicked quiet moments when it's just like digging into myself and like, like hearing the wolves howl and like just seeing these beautiful sunsets day after day. And like the silence of snow is extru- is awesome. There's just like little like film snips in my mind that I will probably hopefully never forget. I love that. And I love that idea of the silence of snow. There's definitely a video where you're walking in the snow. I think it might've been on one of your zero days. I, I do think there's a lot to take from the trail to everyday life. I've met people, I suspect you might be one of them, but I've met people who go through non-trail life and they are all about trail magic and they may never have hiked a day in their lives. You know how you meet people and they just look you in the eye a little different or you mention to them that you have a cold and so they show up at your house with homemade chicken noodle soup. I feel like there are people who exude trail magic and sometimes we're too busy it's the busyness, isn't it? We got our things to do. But I, I think trail magic is there. And one of the one of the lessons I was taking away from your walking was we just don't always look for it or we're not brave enough to offer it, right? I mean, throughout COVID, I, I've seen people know, hey, I know that you are immunocompromised. I'm going to the grocery store. Let me pick up some things. So that is... That is trail magic, and we're doing it out of a sense of necessity now. But my hope is that we'll come out of this time and bring some trail magic with us. I hope so, too. And I think you're right. I I really think it is the seeing people, as people especially. I know it's a very, like, politically correct time where, like, you always have to be very oddly politically correct and, like, be a professional with your language all the time and never make mistakes. But I think that sometimes taking the risk to help somebody else out is worth not being politically correct. So I know that you slept in like barns and and strangers' homes near staircases that we shouldn't trust you. Were there any strange places you slept where you put a tent up next to a no camping sign? Or what what were some of the strangest places where you we slept? (laughs) Night number one. I had planned on staying in a campground all the campgrounds were closed and I should have seen that ahead of time, but I didn't. So we kept hiking and we stayed in a parking lot, tucked in the woods a little bit behind a public bathroom. Also my last night, I, or this my second to last night, I ended up staying next to a building in like the middle of a town. And I didn't realize that this building had security lights on the outside. I got in a little early and the lights weren't on yet. And all of a sudden like cooking dinner and then like, poof, like the light turns on and we... <laughs> I think I said this in one of my videos of just like, I guess we have to sleep with our eyes closed. Like it was so bright, wasn't it? It was bright. Yeah, you remember. Diggins remembers. <laughs> She's like, it was the worst. I was so tired. It was so bright. I thought that was so funny that I do remember that one. 
But again, when you're out in the elements, you, like, I remember camping on a, we were on a, a, this is the Florida Trail, which is very flat, but it was November on the Florida Trail. So same thing, all those camp, all those campgrounds and public spaces are closed. And it was raining. It was raining like Florida rain because I had wilderness skills, because I didn't have wilderness skills. I said, let's put our dry clothes on. And I don't know, you seem like someone with a little bit more experience than I than I am. So what happens for listeners at home, if it's raining and you put your dry clothes on, those clothes get wet too. <laughs> so now you got two sets of wet clothes and someone in charge who shouldn't be. And we came upon a, a camp, I mean, it was a, a state park probably that was definitely closed, but our, our trail came through it and the bathrooms were open and it was raining and we slept in those bathrooms like they were a gift from the heavens. I curled up next to that urinal like it was my baby. And it was it was wonderful. We took off all these wet clothes and hung them over. And it was um, it's just amazing when when you when you're out there, right? You you just you make it work. And I would never have thought of a public bathroom anywhere as a gift, but it was. Dude, you gotta get out a little bit more. Anytime I see a public bathroom, I'm like <laughs> Yes. Well, not to sleep in. <laughs> Whatever. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Absolutely. Whatever. Absolutely. What creature comfort are you so glad to be back to? And what's a camping comfort you miss? Well, I really love not waking up to a frozen bed and frozen boots. The luxury of dry is nice and not frozen. I woke up many mornings and that was snowing on top of us because... Our, our breath made condensation and then it froze to the top of the tent and it would start, we would have our own weather system. The Diggins Emily weather system coming to you live every morning on that trail, I tell you. It's either raining or snowing in our tent. Something I miss, conversely, oddly enough, is I, it is so amazing how much your roof blocks out the sunlight. I miss being in the sun all the time, even on a cloudy day. It really makes an impact. It, it makes it it makes a huge difference. And the roof really blocks out the sun. Really. It's amazing. No rays of light get through. It's even when you're in a tent, right? The sun, suns can still come through. But in a house, you don't. It doesn't. Oh, is that totally true? I worked at that, that wilderness camp for two years. And I remember I was like the healthiest I've ever been. Maybe got a cold one time and some mosquito bites. And the first few months that I wasn't working at that camp, I... I Yes, I was tired, and yes, it was nice to sleep in a bed, but I remember getting sick all the time and being freezing in air conditioning. Air conditioning this summer made me crazy because I had gotten adjusted to being outside, and then I'm wearing a coat on an 80-degree day because the air conditioning is just so cold. There's something glorious about waking with the sun and feeling it on your face. And the winter sun is, is such a different type, right, versus our summer sun. So the sun up here in the winter, it just kind of, it doesn't really go over it. It really just kind of goes across. And so to feel the sun in the winter is like, it just feels so good because it's so rare. You know, it's like any time the sun would come out, I just roll up my sleeves and like take off my face mask and like just try to soak it in as much as possible. And so I really got used to that. And then, you know, since I was hiking into spring, the sun hung around a lot more and I would get really excited about seeing our shadows and I would be like, Diggins. I can see our shadows. That means the sun is out. You know, like the shadow would be the first indicator because I was so bundled up. I couldn't really feel the sun. And so we'd get really excited about that. Do you run out of anything? 
I can't remember from the videos. Did you did you run out of anything that you? Oh, I I we planned for eighteen days, and and I've, I've eaten all the food at day fourteen. No, because I have done that multiple times before on trips. <laughs> I really wanted to make sure. So the way I did, like my food systems and everything like that, is I had nine people sign up to do different box drops for me along the way. Not a lot of post offices close to the trail, so you either have to hitchhike into a town which hitchhiking is really hard in the Midwest, or have somebody come and meet you. So I made sure that like in every box, I put a little bit of extra just in case anything would happen like that. That's smart. Yes, I definitely made some choices to jump in cars with hitchhikers when we ran out of things. Whatever. is frowned upon, I think, in the real world. But again, back to trail magic, it just always worked out fine. Still scarcely frowned upon hitchhiking. I'm going to be honest, <laughs> but that's just a personal feeling. <laughs> just be smart. This is the thing. But just trust your gut, right? Trust your gut about people. And if you can't trust your gut, find a dog and the dog will tell you all about that person. Honestly, like if you feel goofy about somebody in any sort of way, just get out of there. If you feel, if you feel decent enough, like that's, you, you're probably most of the times you're right, unless they're a psychopath and they can just hide all of their feelings. That's totally different. It turns out there are way fewer of those than television movies would lead us to believe. Most folks are good at heart and I, I really do believe that. Uh, okay, so because I I don't get to talk to you forever, I have to wrap. And I always do um, icebreakers at the end because I think icebreakers at the beginning are, are a little creepy because we don't know each other yet. But at the end, you'll answer. So I have just um, multiple choice questions. And you just, you know, it's like either this or that. So quick multiple choice for you. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Coffee or tea? Decaf of either. Mountains or beach? Beach. Really? Is that where the next hike will be? Will you do a beach hike? Is there a beach trail anywhere? There's a small section of the, of the Superior Hiking Trail that goes on the lake here. It's the hardest part of really? the entire trip. Yes. Wow. Those rocks are not friendly for hiking. No. Well, I've watched the Eco Challenge. Because then I, I do most of my hiking from the couch. So when I've watched the Eco Challenge and things like that, when whenever they're climbing over boulders where it's just uneven terrain, it's just killer. It's so hard. All right, back to either ors. Um, cake or pie? Pie. Skittles or peanut butter pretzel bites? Skittles. Early bird or night owl? Mornings. Are you a risk taker or the person who always knows where the band-aids are? Risk taker. <laughs> Did you bring band-aids with you? Totally. We both we we both had our own uh, first aid kits. I saw Diggins' first aid kit. I do remember that. I think. Okay, now we're to the short answer part of the quiz. Who was one of your best teachers? I can't choose one. My life has really been rounded out by a bunch of different people. They've all really influenced in a, in a strange... Both my grandparents, they both taught me really rad skills and a lot of, a lot of things I still carry till today. My grandpa you know, taught me like how to use, you know, how to do woodworking, how to build, how to be thoughtful and methodical. He was an engineer. And then my grandma, she taught me how to quilt and how to mend my clothes and how to bake. And so there's a lot of just you know, maybe skills that people think are maybe Amish that my grandparents taught me. And I really am appreciative. When you get to a problem, like in a puzzle, how do you solve it? Research, look it up, phone a friend. You know, I, I love to live by mentors versus, you know, looking things up. But if I don't have somebody look it up, we live in a really cool world where information is kind of infinite and kind of infinitely at your fingertips. What's one of your... Your go-to songs. It doesn't have to be your favorite song, but like a song that fluffs you up or it's just like, what's a go-to song? 
Uh, right now, well, man, a band I've been listening to right now is called Pomplamoose. And they're super awesome. I don't even know how to describe their music. But they have French songs. They have English songs. They do covers. They do a lot of mashups. And they're just like something you can kind of work to. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, I don't know, on the trail, I had Britney's Stronger stuck in my head. <laughs> and I just changed the lyrics instead of saying, now I'm stronger than I was yesterday. I just said, now I'm smaller than I was yesterday because I just kept losing so much weight. And I just kept <laughs> singing that over and over to Diggins and to the high heavens. What's a book you love? A recent one that's, um, that I also read on the trail is called A Wolf's Trail. It's an Ojibwe story told by wolves. And it was just really impactful because it, it kind of talked about the story of like how Ojibwe people became how they, how they were and then how they become how they are. But it was from the wolf's perspective because the wolves have been their companions for so long. Oh my gosh, that sounds great. Yeah, it made me cry what a lot because I just, it was like Diggins in my story, just I'm not Ojibwe. What was the, what's the title again? A Wolf's Trail. All right, well, be sure to put that on the, on the show notes. That's so great. What's your favorite ice cream? An ice cream that you can buy, I think, at any store is Talenti. It's the one with, like, the clear... Oh, I'm very familiar. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, maybe this is the right one. Oh, yeah. Of course, this is the right one. I eat so much ice cream. Caramel Cookie Crunch is so good. But in town, in Duluth, we have a place called Love Creamery, and it's handcrafted ice cream. And there's some of their flavors are just, like, stupid good. They had one called Tin Roof, and it was, like, chocolate and, like, peanut peanuts. But it was perfect. I don't know if there's caramel in there or not, but it was fantastic. Uh, And the last one, if we were to take a picture of you doing something you love, just uh, really happy, what would we see you doing? Two scenarios come to mind. Either playing in the dirt at work. I love that playing in the dirt is my job. Like, my hands are so dirty right now, and I love that. Or being at the beach with my partner. Like, we love going to the beach, especially up here. Because we live on Lake Superior, so, you know, the beach time on Lake Superior is pretty short, but there's other small lakes around we can hang out on. And we're pretty, like, blissfully happy when we go hang out at the beach together. Oh, I love that. Emily Ford, thank you. I'm, I'm going to do this closing, but that phrase, blissfully happy, is going to just be my, my wish for you and for anybody who's listening. I'm thankful that you were able to spend time with us today and everybody who's listening. I'm left with this idea that we are stronger than we realize. We are more capable than we realize. We are less alone than we think. And if we keep putting one foot in front of the other, keep walking around the bend, keep looking for that journey you never knew you needed to take, but that's been looking for you all your days. My guest today has been Emily Ford, who is amazing. You can follow her videos on Instagram. I'll put the link in our page notes. And to Emily, I'm wishing you blissful happiness and love and light wherever the day takes you. And everyone, until... Next time, be good to yourself, be good to one another, and we will see each other again on this wild, precious journey. Wild Precious Life is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to executive producers Gerardo Orlando and Michael D'Aloya. Producer Sarah Wilgrub and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.